2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Progressing Podcast, Wade Keller Progressing Post Shows. And the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out. Plus, you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com/slash PW Torch VIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts, and the PW Torch newsletter the current ones and 20 years ago version so go check it out patreon.com slash pwtorch vip
5: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
7: Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's AEW Dynamite on TNT. All
4: right, Jake, it should not be the top thing I bring up here uh, at the top of the show tonight. But did Jim Ross just say nothing will top the experience of attending a WWE Dynamite in person? Did you catch that? Yeah,
8: he, un- he unfortunately <laughs> did. Uh, epic rain oh. fart from old JR. I'm sure oh. he'll uh, he'll hear about that from the Twitter machine for the next 72 years. <laughs> I, they will not let that one go.
4: No. All right. Well, moving on. Mistakes happen. But I just had to be sure. I mean, I did replay it. And I can confirm he said it. But I, I still wasn't quite – I didn't quite believe my ears. Um, but anyway, a, a hell of a match with MJF and Sammy Guevara. And, and if you didn't know going in – Um, You could watch with your eyes or listen to the announcers tell you these two are a big part of the future of AEW. I I think they showed us that. I thought this was a a really good match. I've wanted to see more MJF wrestling than we've had a chance to see. I don't really statistically have facts in front of me that he's an infrequent wrestler, but it does seem like it hasn't been very often. And Sammy's so talented. I mean, Ross compared him to Gino Hernandez in... in, (laughs) I mean, as a heel there's something there, but I mean ring style wise, he's a blend of a lot of people. Um, a lot of more athletic people than Gino, who was so much more personality. I think MGF and Gino are a little little closer, um, actually. Uh so your your thoughts, Jake, on that main event.
8: I, I think it was fantastic in terms of the in ring quality. I mean, I was entertained for I guess it was just a hair over twenty minutes. I I think it, you know, it kind of falls victim to Uh, you know, the failing to deliver the better story, which I think was Sammy just coming up short and MJF getting a clean win and then being able to rub it in Jericho's face heading into their match. Um, I guess I just don't... I, I don't understand the... The reliance on the gang wars element of telling stories, I think it's become a bit of a crutch for AEW as a brand. And it undermines some of the great work that the talent does in the ring. And it did it on a couple of occasions tonight.
4: What was the finish, the right finish for this match if they aren't doing gang warfare, chair shot to the head, distracted referee, and a finish that you know didn't really prove anything as far as the preceding uh, action between the wrestlers?
8: Well, I guess do you do you need to do a finish that doesn't prove anything? I think MJF can just be the better guy on the night, uh, especially when he's feuding with Jericho as a faction leader. Uh, I I think if you know maybe Sammy misses the six thirty and MJF just applies the submission he had worked on the arm several times elsewhere in the match. I, I think it's I think it's okay for people to tap out when they get caught. You know, I I, I guess I, I don't. Uh, I don't know why we have to end up in some zero sum proposition.
4: Uh, Fair fair enough. I mean, I think that's a pitch I'd like to hear more often. I'd like to hear of happening more often behind the scenes to receptive ears. AEW's been good about not doing DQ finishes and countouts and, you know, cop out finishes. But yeah, I mean, this was a a lot of, this wasn't a match just for the sake of a match. I think last, last Saturday night was a more egregious example of that. Um, I, I here I understand. I think it's it's more a case of had they saved this as the time that gang warfare or interference and in a ringside distraction occurred, if you know it's like you know say uh, don't advocate this, but save your lies for when they really matter is a saying. <laughs> I mean it's good advice if you're going to lie, save them for when they really matter. Save your finishes that are convoluted and with a lot of stuff going on for when it really matters. And so if they thought we we don't want to establish MJF is good enough to beat. Sammy Guevara clean. Um, If they don't want to do that right now, and I agree with you, I think they can afford to do that. But if they decided not to, then don't have a bunch of stuff last week after the title match. And I understand Omega won, but again, yeah, the the Matt Hardy Christian stuff afterwards. At at some point, you just having a stretch of of main event matches where there's a clean finish and the match is enough. Like, you fight, you go to a finish, and especially with the world title match Saturday – that's enough. You got to see a world title match. It was retained. Let's end on that note with the champs celebrating. And it does seem like AEW piles on a lot of stuff. I know in your report you talked about the the density and frenzied pace of the show um, as also something that they do. And I think there's some merit to the pace of of doing things. Frenzied is probably a, a loaded statement in terms of it's an editorial statement. Um, but, you know, the the pace of the show, I don't think you want to meander, but there is something to be said also for Um, having a chance to take a deep breath although we got that in that music video i guess at the end
8: yeah i guess the the pace argument is more that nothing gets a chance to breathe like i mean they they had eddie kingston and penta get a really important win in the opening segment thanks to more you know gang warfare i guess backfiring on the heels in that instance um and And then they immediately go back to video packages before Eddie and Penta even got their arms raised. And then you had Jungle Boy get a a spotlight win over Jack Evans. And that got two seconds to process before you had more, uh, you know, interference from the Hardy family office and Christian getting involved. And so, like, you know, you got a guy who... in in Jungle Boy who got a really big spotlight on the Saturday night show and had a really impressive performance and probably the most important match of his career and as you mentioned that was uh, something that they immediately moved uh, away from to do the story with the elite at the end of the show and then tonight you know he gets a he gets a spotlight win as a comeback from taking a, a, a loss, and they couldn't even let that go for five seconds before they brought Christian and Matt Hardy back out. And so I, I just think it's become sort of a crutch for them. I don't know why it's uh it's become so frequent, because I don't think it was this way even six months ago. Yeah, yeah.
4: All right, well, let's uh introduce the show formally here and give out the phone numbers and bring some callers into the conversation. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for, let me see if I remember how to say this, Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. It's been over a month since we've done a live post show on Wednesday. Welcome back to our Wednesday listeners. Um, if you don't know, we did do a, a post show live Saturday after the show. Hope you can check that out when you get a chance. Uh, thanks to Zach for hosting a uh, roundtable uh, with um, a couple Torch contributors, a uh, couple week, or I guess last week, covering the previous Friday's show, Joel Donnell and Tyler Sage and, and Zach have great chemistry. So if you're looking to just do a deep dive and uh, binge our coverage of AEW and you missed out because of the the lack of Wednesday shows, uh, feel free to jump onto our feed and uh, and download those shows right here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. The other voice you hear is the co-host tonight. It's Jake Barnett from ProWrestling.net making his return to the co-host chair. Uh, Jake, great to have you back, and uh, good to talk to you again.
8: Yeah, thanks, Wade. Always a pleasure to be here.
4: Absolutely. Um, so let's give out the phone numbers. Uh, you are welcome to call us. We are a live, interactive podcast. You can live stream the show. One of the benefits is it's ad-free when you uh, uh, listen live, but then the show, in its complete format, goes up uh, later in the night and is available for download, which is what most of you do. Um, and... Uh, you're, you can always uh, find our shows by searching Wade Keller on your podcast app. We're pretty much everywhere. When you do that, be sure to subscribe to both the red brand and the blue brand. Uh, we've got a red logo and a blue logo. The red logo are our live post shows that are available to download after the fact. And our blue logo is our more traditional podcasts, uh, including our wide-ranging flagship that usually uh, drops Thursday nights. Todd Martin, a PW Torch VIP analyst, will be my co-host tomorrow. We'll cover a lot of topics with him, so check that out. We also uh, do interviews and roundtables and pay-per-view previews and flashback shows. Fascinating uh, jumps back to uh, our, our con- jumps back to I don't know uh, leaps back uh, leaps back in time. I can't talk right now. Um, five and ten years ago to what we were talking about with the same format as this. So um, you are welcome to join us tonight though if you're live streaming the show. Our number is 347-215-8558. That's three four seven. 215-8558. And when you call push one in your keypad, if you want to join the conversation, that'll indicate that you want to be on the show. If you have a very limited time and you don't want to be on hold for a while, you can't do this every week. But if you uh, do have limited time and you want to jump on ahead of some other callers, you can always email us and let me know that because we'd like to hear from someone, uh, even if they can't be on hold for half hour or an hour, uh, sometimes the wait is to get on. The email address to request that or just ask a question or make a comment is wade Keller podcast at pwtorch.com that's wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com um Jake uh, t- t- let's uh tell people about what you do for progressing.net and uh, also mention your social media and then we'll uh, jump right into calls
8: all right, yeah, you can find me uh, at prowrestling.net. I do the uh, the Dynamite live coverage, uh, typically weekly on Wednesday nights. Although uh, it's, it's been a little weird recently, but uh, I also have uh, have the weekly dot net. Uh, uh, excuse me, the and I'm forgetting the name of my own podcast, Wade. What a mess this is right <laughs> now. But uh, as long, long as Diamond you get the long show. as you get the
4: brand right, you don't you know you don't want to yeah. plug the wrong website. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled a JR and completely lost my train of thought. And, it's contagious. Uh, no, I, I It's the .NET weekly audio show that I do with Jason Powell on a weekly basis for members. I also join Jason for pay-per-view audios for WWE and AEW. Uh, you can inquire about uh, membership to ProWrestling.net at PWMembership.net, and you can find me on Twitter at Barnett Jake. Um, on, on a serious
4: note, do you think uh, Tony Khan is going to chuckle at Jim Ross's Misspeak, or do you think he's going to be upset about it, or somewhere in between? I guess you can have
8: that third option. I hope it's more of a chuckle. Like I yeah. mean, man, like I know the internet is going to have a complete meltdown over this, but it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's no. a brain fart, and I'm I, I guess if if it was happening frequently, where people, where the company thought that jim ross was a net negative to the show and this is just another example in a long line of examples where he was taking away from the broadcast yeah i guess maybe it could eventually escalate into something more serious where they you know diminish his role or something along those lines but i I don't think it's to that point yet I'm, i'm sure it'll just be something that they they laugh at twitter getting too worked up about something
4: yeah and i i uh Don't think Tony Khan's too worried about Jim Ross's loyalties lying with Vince McMahon um, secretly. Um, This isn't quite Ross at the altar and friends saying Rachel um, instead of his fiance's name when when about to get married. So I I think hopefully we can move past this. But, I mean, I don't think we need to move immediately past it. I think a couple hours of fun at Jim Ross's expense is, is called for. And we know Jim will have a sense of humor about this, Jake.
8: Yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll probably acknowledge it later with a with a wisecrack or something. I mean, it yeah. could, could it have been any worse uh, than the elites' facial hair? I mean, they, they basically <laughs> had the the stages of Triple H's career on their faces uh, tonight. I think was what was going on there. I mean they they are all they are self aware of what they were doing. I thought you know
4: was it Shivani who said they look like porn stars? Like as soon as they walked onto the stage, Excalibur said they continue to make uh, personal and professional uh, a puzzling personal and professional decisions in their lives um i actually thought omega looked a little worse like in a legit way i thought the to get, to, I, to get I
8: really think they were modeling triple h's facial hair like uh, as a I, as a I, rib on I was, hunter i think so yeah. yeah i mean kenny had that ridiculous uh fu manchu thing that the triple h wore as a tribute to lemmy kilmister of motorhead who he was who he idolized in a big way and then you had uh uh, I think it was Nick Jackson had the the bushy goatee the Triple yep. H wore as God. the initial COO character where he had a buzz cut and the goatee. And then Matt Jackson had the Evolution uh, mustache that went way out past the corners of his mouth. <laughs> and so I, I really think it, it wow. literally looked exactly like Triple H's facial hair from periods of his
4: career. This is your life, Triple H's facial hair. I know, special episode yeah. of
8: Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and everybody, you know, everybody obviously identified that they, they all look like idiots, but clearly, you know, that means Triple H always looked like an idiot for every <laughs> point of his career, right? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. All right.
4: Let's, uh, let's get to our calls here. Um, again, our, our, we welcome your calls. 347-215-8558. If you uh, do not listen live, but want to, uh, we'll be live after SmackDown on Friday and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown. You can find a link to... The live stream on our main Twitter account, at PWTorch. And you can also find a a link to the live stream in my reports at PWTorch.com. Hope you're visiting that website every day to keep up on the latest news, editorials, live TV and pay-per-view coverage, and more. But yeah, at the top and bottom of my TV reports, you can find a link to the show along with a phone number and email. Uh, uh, And also, uh, WadeKellerPostShow.com is a shortcut if you just want to jump to the site, although then you have to click on another link to get to the live feed, but
3: it's there
4: With PW Torch VIP Podcasts in 2021. If you're an iPhone user and you want a simple way to access our full VIP Podcast library as new podcasts come out every day, we have good news. New in 2021, single-click compatibility with Apple Podcasts' native app on iPhone, CarPlay, your iMac, or your MacBook Pro laptop. Now, as soon as you sign up and become a VIP member, there's a single-click link in your sign-up email that will launch PW Torch's VIP podcast in Apple Podcasts. No username, no password to enter. It's as simple as it gets. Go VIP. Find out more information on all the benefits that come with the VIP membership at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And now we not only accept payments through PayPal, but also a direct credit card or debit card sign up and also through Patreon.
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: We will begin with area code 709. Uh, 709, thanks for calling. Go and state your name and where you're calling from.
6: Hey, gentlemen. Uh, Chris calling from Mount Paul in Newfoundland. Brand new VIP subscriber. How are we doing this evening?
4: Uh, doing great. Uh, thank you so much for uh, going VIP.
6: So, um... It's been something I've been meaning to do for a while, and I'm glad I finally jumped in. Yeah, yeah. For me to call in, like, Mm. Newfoundland is an hour and a half ahead of Eastern time. So, like, Dynamite is really the only time I can stay up late enough to call. I'm I'm too old for this nonsense. And for me to call in, there's got to be something really bugging me. So... (sighs) Let, uh, apart from Jim Ross, who reminds me of that drunk uncle in the corner at Thanksgiving, who's like, every now and then wakes up, sees a play in the football game, makes a, a comment, and then goes back to sleep, and nobody actually has any idea what he's talking about half the time. MJF, um, is he just everything Karrion Cross wishes he could be? <laughs> like, he's great in the ring. He might be the best promo guy in the business right now. He can wrestle a bunch of different styles, and anyone with any experience watching professional wrestling looks at this guy and says, yeah, he's going to be great. And I think his eventual face turn is going to be amazing. But he's just – his match, and I'll get to, to, to the counterpoint to this later on, but yeah. his match tonight was – it was just he, – he can do that with somebody, someone like Sammy who flies, who's who's obviously a smaller guy. But he can also have a match like that with Jericho. He can do it probably with Lance Archer. We haven't seen it. He could do it with uh, with Kenny. He can have that match with anyone. He's just so good at everything. It's the the only thing that bugged me about it though is why is anyone kicking out of a top rope tombstone?
4: That's a really good point. Um, I I'm think it's worth. Uh, t- Backing up your compliments of MJF, um, I, I wish he'd yell a little less on promos. Um, it's a small criticism because I think he picks his spots well uh, to yell, but I, I think he goes to it too much and over-modulating is sort of one of my annoyances in wrestling. Um, uh, uh, Ethan Page was doing that too earlier, and I just don't think it, it – I think it distracts from the promo. Be, but beyond that um, – I'm with you, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised at what they did in those opening minutes. It felt like a real statement um, they were trying to make to uh, to indicate that look what we can look what MJF can do against Sammy that they can wrestle and Jericho was kind of selling the idea. He was surprised by that, but yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, of re- in recent years. I don't know how many years we're going on five plus years of some really big moves that just would not have been uh, kicked out of before. Were, or were saved only for, like, that epic WrestleMania match where it was like, and oh, my God, they kicked out of that because the precedent had been set. No one kicks out of that type of move. And it would seem special when they would do that once a year for, like, an epic one match. Is this a case, uh, Jake, of, of trying to do a little too much and doing enough that it actually uh, diminishes the effect of, of the ultimate finish?
8: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems a little odd that, you know, a, a one chair shot across the back would put sammy down after a jumping second rope tombstone wouldn't and i guess it was you know they they had mjf kick out of sammy's 630 finish as well which i i don't i don't know if you know other than maybe when he was in the ring with one of the elite members i can't recall if anybody else has kicked out of so yeah i I think it's it's a concern i mean we kind of go through this uh in phases you know some people use the super kick as a finish some people use 37 of them in a match and it, it's never the finish and we've kind of turned the canadian destroyer into a transition move and you know i guess we go <laughs> yeah. through these periods now where uh you know where, where something that was once really novel and exciting and nobody kicked out of it just becomes another another thing that uh, that gets you into the next spot and so i uh, yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. I, I I don't know where it ends exactly. You know, I, I personally I would have loved if that was the finish to the match, but uh, you know they had another seven minutes to fill after that thing.
6: I don't want to be the guy who complains about moves, and I've always been able to reason the, you know, some people use a super kick as a finish as well. They just execute it better, or they have right. better aim with it, or more power behind it, or, or whatever. You know, I can I can turn off my logic brain for that, but. Unless I'm mistaken, I don't think we've seen MJF hit even a regular Tombstone before, let alone one off the ropes. So if you're going to bust out a brand new move on a free TV match, then if it's something that impressive, it really needs to finish the match. And if it's not going to finish it, don't use it. Save it. Like th- that move is money. Like CM Punk ruined his knees doing a top rope pedigree yeah. for years and that finished matches. You know, and then he even he sold his knee, and even if he had sold his knee a little longer, r- rides around on the mat for for a few seconds, and then gone for the pin, I could have bought the kick out. But he went straight into the cover, and I, just listening to myself now, I hate that I'm making this point, <laughs> but I I just it doesn't make sense to me to have such a huge move that should be finishing matches do nothing.
4: Hey, I, I don't think you should apologize. Um, I think that it's it's absolutely fair to. Um, make well reasoned points about what you think protects wrestlers and protects the integrity of the the arbitrary illusion that is the violence in the ring and the arbitrariness of which moves finish matches or not. There should be a logic because they have 100% creative control over it, which you know creates a higher level of responsibility to use them logically. And that that was a a crazy move, and MJF was selling the knee injury big time. Um, which you know, I, I I give credit to like MJF selling the impact of the fall fo- of the of the move, and I thought Sammy did a great job like lying on his back a- afterwards, and also after the ultimate finish, the the actual end of the match, just lying there for an extended period of time. I mean, I want to give them points for the things that that they did well, but I think it's Chris worth building on those compliments. Um, or I think it's worth in addition to those compliments, uh, saying that they. They would have been better off not doing that move if it wasn't a finish, especially going another, as Jake said, seven minutes.
6: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to, to transition out of that, like, it, it relates to, my, to, the, to the counterpoint for that, which was uh, the opener with uh, Eddie and Penta versus uh, Jack Sparrow and Zoolander. Oh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> the Young Bucks. Um, first of all, was, was that facial hair glued on? Like, there's no way they grew that in a week, right? Like, it's just I don't know how they could have unless they have some sort of mutant powers I don't know about. But <laughs> when you look at that match and you look at the main event with Sammy and and uh, MJF, I think that perfectly illustrates the problem I have with some M- AEW matches. And I'm going to paint an analogy for you that I don't think anyone's ever used. Uh, the tag team match was a trampoline act with a bunch of jump, a bunch of nothing, and then a really impressive high spot and a bunch of standing around and a really impressive high spot. Whereas the main event was rhythmic gymnastics. It flowed, it was beautiful the whole way through, it told a story and it came to a conclusion. And I greatly prefer rhythmic gymnastics to trampoline. There was a spot near the beginning of the match where they were still doing their flying all over the place, where one of the young bucks, I still can't tell him apart, I don't know which one has the brown hair anymore, was just standing in the ring while Penta was running back and forth and jumping, waiting for his spot. And it's part camera work. They shouldn't have shown him there. But he's just standing off to the corner, just not doing anything, not trying to disrupt the other (laughs) team who are jumping on his brother, not trying to attack anyone. He's just like, well, I'm about to get knocked out of the ring, so I guess I just stand here and look like an idiot with my thumb in my nose. And that's the sort of thing that like, I, I know that, the, the Lucha Brothers and the, and the Bucks, they have some incredibly impressive moves and, and they make things look good. But there is too much of that. There's too much standing around. There's too much not crisp action happening. And it really takes me out of the moment completely.
4: Uh, uh, Jake, you and I have talked about this and it's been a theme on this show um, to talk about the Young Bucks and the prudence of how loose and fast they are with uh, match structure, with t- uh, tag team structure. Uh, Jim Ross has lamented it at times. Um, I know I've, I've on air and off air um, debated with with wrestlers and and colleagues at the Torch and and fans um, the, the the pros and cons of upping the excitement quotient, but with kind of a low IQ execution, um, or I can't uh, uh, I could be bothered, but why bother um, when it comes to some of the detail work that Chris just laid out. In terms of, you know, what every other—I don't, I don't want to overstate it, but for all of pro wrestling's history, wrestlers have worked pretty hard um, traditionally to try to um, do what they can to make things look as real as possible when possible. And when it's not possible, you have to live with it. You know, you, there's—you know, the, for the art of it, sometimes you have to give up some of the uh, uh, believability. But the Bucks give up a lot of believability sometimes without needing to just because the crowd's reacting and they're huge stars— and they're, they're praised as the greatest tag team of this generation, if not of all time. And so what could be wrong with what we're doing? I still, I mean, I see stuff that Chris does and I'm like, re- I wish they tightened it up and I wish they'd be bothered to, to work a little harder to rein that in because I, I have confidence they would be, um, as gr- they would still be having great matches, but they would not have this pushback from a, a, a sizable segment of the audience who it bothers. And it, it's not a it's it's not just a subjective what do I prefer art type thing. It's the type of thing where the average person flipping on the show who's used to other styles of wrestling, it can be a turnoff, and it's a needless turnoff because the Bucks are so good in so many other ways. Jake, your
8: thoughts? Yeah, I I think it would be more tolerable if they just declared like that the tag division was was like lucha style rules or something, where everything is a bit more loose and flexible in terms of how people enter and exit the ring and and, you know and then and maybe use production. To your advantage, instead of just having wide shots showing people standing around waiting for catches and waiting for uh, you know things to develop in the ring and and you know the, have, maybe have the referee in better position at times where your interference isn't completely obvious to everyone but him, uh, or actually have him staring at it and not saying anything about it. You know, there, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle to the way. The Young Bucks structure matches that kind of bug me that I think you could probably fix if you put the time and effort into doing it. But I, I yeah. think it's just the style that they've worked for so long, you know, going back to to PWG and maybe less so in, in New Japan. But, you know, I guess primarily on the U.S. indie scene, that was their calling card. And I think that's what they identify themselves with, and I think that's what their most hardcore fans probably are accustomed to with them. And I think they... They do themselves a pretty big favor by placing themselves in the opening match a lot of the time where people are just really Uh excited for everything and so it kind of wallpapers over uh some of the some of the flaws that you might notice after you had been sitting there for two hours watching a show if you were in the main event slot but yeah I, i i agree with a lot of the complaints i i don't think they're insurmountable though and i think there's way more positives about The young bucks and negatives, but there there are some things I wish they would pay more attention to.
4: I mean, that's the thing; it's it's worth talking about because the bucks are so good. And I mean, you add a a motivated, energized Nick Jackson to the mix, uh, which you know he's just—it's a completely different person than the sulking, I don't want to be here to you know demeanor that he had for months. Um, You know, late last year and early this year, and I know he had a lot going on um, with COVID and, and John Huber and. And you know who knows uh, what else, and and maybe it was just the art of his character, and it was intentional. But this is uh, an amazing um, turnaround in terms of hit just coming out of a shell and just jumping off the screen, charismatically right now during his ring entrances. But yeah, I mean, I, my vote would be to rein them in. Um, but if that's what I want, but what they're doing is really working, then I then then I'm fine with that too. You know, it's like it's I can live with the lack of of discipline. Um, or detail work, but I I do hear from enough people. I I think it does bother enough people where it'd be worth the Bucks kind of reining it in a little, you know, and and working a little harder to keep it a little more believable for people like Chris, and, um, you know, Chris, you're you're not alone.
6: Yeah, I think I'd ask, is it really working? Because the people in the arena love it, but they're the fans that you don't need to convince. They're going to watch every week. If they're they're bought in enough to go to Daly's place at this stage, then you don't need to convince them. The ones you need to convince are this mythical second million, which we don't even know exists because they can't even watch SmackDown right now. Um, (laughs) They're the ones who are... They're out there. If you look at uh, more bang for your buck, when they use that as their finisher, that is smooth. That is silky, and there's no gap. There's no waiting. That looks good. We know they're capable of putting together impressive moves without... All the standing around and all the the the, the theatrics. I, I mean, it's beyond theatrics, but that's yeah. the best word I can think of right now to go along with the theme of not being able to talk tonight. Um, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of of Park earlier in his career, before he became the guy he is now. Uh, early in his uh, Dragon Gate and um, some of his British indie stuff, where he spent so much of his time in matches climbing to the top rope that he actually barely did any wrestling. It was high-flying move, climb to the top rope, high-flying move. And it was really hard to watch, even though it was beautiful when he was doing the moves. And I'm starting to get that feeling here. Like, the, it's especially bad with the Lucha Brothers and, and their zero miedo all the time. Like, yeah, it gets the fans into it, but how many times in a match do you need to do it? We're getting to the point of Dana Brooke spam taunts right now. <laughs> and it, at some point, you have to realize the old cliches actually make sense. You know, less is more. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And we can go on. Like, we've all been watching wrestling a long time. Uh, I, I tried to count, but I lost count somewhere around 35 years for me. And
3: wow.
6: we've seen the way the business evolves. And yes, a DDT used to finish a match. Now it doesn't. We have to get used to that. That's just the way the business has evolved. But I don't think it's evolved to the point that they want it to have evolved to just yet. It might get there, but at this point, it still feels like they're trying to do too much.
4: Uh, well put, Chris. I mean, you, you've you've made the argument uh, for the prosecution. Uh, we don't have uh, a defense <laughs> present, but if somebody wants to call in and defend the Bucks, they can. I, I think the the key point is, I think they'd be just as popular. The matches would be uh, just as exciting for the people who love what they do. If they uh, curated, it's a word I used, I think, on week one of AW Dynamite, if not on their earlier pay-per-views. You know, the, the style could be curated. Um, not every museum. I've been, at, I've been in the basement of the uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum, and there's tons of cool stuff down there. But they don't put it all out there because it would be cluttered, and you would lose focus, and it would be disorganized, and people wouldn't know where to look. And it, it just it wouldn't be a pleasant experience. And so there's a lot of cool stuff that I got to see in the basement that <laughs> isn't on, on the floor year-round. That's how I feel about the Bucks, you know. I mean, I do, but, um, and and I think that second million that I've talked about for a couple of years here is something they should be chasing, and they just have to decide, you know. What I mean, Tony Khan, was it on? Uh, I busted open a radio today uh, or this week, where someone asked, you know, I think a host asked about the referees and how idiotic they look, and Tony's like, I don't need to worry about that. I got things to worry about that are more important. But I mean, there are things about AW that I just don't think there's a downside to curating or cleaning up a little bit so they don't have people so we don't have discussions like this you know and I think the show would be just as good and the matches would be just as good Uh, Chris any uh, closing words for us
6: Uh, No, I'll just leave it and say that I thought the women's segments tonight actually worked despite one of them containing Vicky Guerrero Um, (laughs) I I wish we had a clear face and heel in in that feud but any excuse to watch what Britt is doing right now is fine by me Uh, and I think in in general, the company is going the right way. Unlike some other companies, they actually have a future planned out. You can see who the next wave is coming up, yeah. and I think other companies should be taking a page out of that book. So uh, I'll I'll leave you on that note. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call and enjoy the rest of your evening,
4: Chris. Uh, thanks, and if you have a chance, send me an email with some feedback on uh, your early experience with VIP. I'd love to hear hear uh, pro and con or good and bad. Definitely will. Awesome. Thanks.
6: Definitely will. Thank you.
4: You bet. Uh, pwtorch.com slash govip if you want to learn about what VIP membership entails uh, it's a ton um, some of the I, I don't talk about it enough but the, the archive of back issues right now chronicling um, the past 30 plus years of wrestling and uh, first uh, the, the longest running insider long form interview series ever the Torch Talk interviews that are transcribed from the late 80s on is fascinating. The uh, We put up a new 20 years ago back issue in PDF and all text formats. So you can read it on your tablet or on your phone or laptop in whatever format you prefer. We um, just uh, posted the cover story uh, this week uh, of the 20 years ago issue it was Vince McMahon giving up on the WCW brand because of how awful he thought the wrestlers were and how damaged the brand was and how the fans weren't reacting to it and uh, inter- in incorporating ECW into it and trying to figure out how to save this this brand that was more damaged and more dead than uh, than he imagined. Uh, obviously, that that infamous um, uh, Buff Bagwell performance didn't didn't help matter. So um, it's it's I, I I enjoy looking back at what I wrote and the in the team wrote back at the time, and I think you'd find it um, even more so if you didn't if you didn't read it uh, in in real time and uh, just catching up on wrestling history and seeing what we had to say about different eras of wrestling since we uh, started this back in the late 1980s. So um, th- thousand almost thousands of back issues are available as soon as you go uh, VIP and, uh, just an unmatched library of insider, uh, perspective podcasts and retro radio shows, hundreds of them from the nineties and, uh, podcasts going back to 2003. And we actually put, uh, a few, uh, VIP vaults up, um, during the week from the year 2003 right now on our VIP podcast feed. So not only current coverage, but some, uh, history that you just won't find anywhere else. Um, in the type of depth and scope and and perspective and approach that that we've taken with the torch coverage over the years. So follow Chris's path and uh, go VIP.
3: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
5: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Sochek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year when we started the show back then we were talking just impact wrestling and we still talk about them from time to time as well and over the years we've branched out to also discuss MLW and of course the main event of our program which is always the latest going on in AEW again the show is called the all elite after show with me Mike McMahon and my partner Andrew Sochak you can check us out as part of the PW Torch daily cast lineup you can subscribe to our show and all of the daily cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad free with a PW Torch VIP membership.
4: All right, uh, it's a big day in Canada, because uh, we've got Hinton coming up, and then I believe we've got a, a call from Montreal with Alex um, after that. Um, we're moving all over Canada here, but we'll go to uh, Hinton in London, Ontario first. Hinton, thanks for calling. Uh, what do you think of Dynamite tonight? What's on your mind?
10: Hey, Wade. Hey, uh, Jake. Good to finally talk to you guys after all of June of no Dynamite post shows. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do want to touch on the the main event again. I've got a I've got a lot of thoughts on the on the main event. I thought MJF and Sammy Guevara had a decent match, and the reason I call it decent is because they, I, I find MJF's ring style good, but he tends to feed a little too early, uh, or or Sammy Guevara just doesn't follow through on the feeding quickly enough. I'm not the best ring analyzer, but there were aspects of this match that made me just feel like okay, this is just completely fake. Um, and I think that the Bucks are, even though they they overpopulate their match, they're better at executing on the feeding, I think, than than what these two guys are. But they'll probably get better over time. Um, there's also a very uh, prejudiced comment uh, to the effect of Jr. saying uh, Sammy's a hot yeah. and Yeah. Jericho going, yeah, he's a Latino, of course. I'm like, I thought the same <laughs> thing. I'm <the> <laughs> um, so sorry. Yeah. No, it's yeah. 2021. Um, I mean,
4: that's that. I mean, I, yeah. I I kind of was like, are we still saying that?
10: Yeah yeah um also the the build-up to this match is really my the main thing i want to talk about because i i heard someone uh a a prestigious wrestling commentator not affiliated with the torch say this match has been built up so much for months i mean when you boil up a rivalry between two people then when one of those people diverts their attention to that enemy's friend and barely pays attention to the first guy for weeks afterward i don't call that a sustained build-up so it was well built up for several, you know, several weeks ago. However, ever since then, the focus has been disproportionately disproportionately on MGF versus Chris Jericho. With Sammy Guevara just kind of being happy to be back with his friends and happy that his friends are, you know, he, that they heeded his warning. Like last week, Sammy had his chance to remind us all of the personal nature of his hatred for MGF. Just this, you know, key takeaway point. He chose to focus instead on action figures and. Yeah. I don't know what else, uh, which would have been fine if that's what the storyline was focused on, or if he had a longer promo to then also mention that. But it wasn't. So, I mean, ultimately, the focus of this match ended up being a, who's the future of AEW, which I think is a much weaker story, right? This was and, and last week, like the, the the action figure stuff was the first time it, it was ever mentioned, and MJF didn't even follow on it in his promo. And speaking of MJF's promo tonight, it was again disproportionately focused on Jericho, right? He addressed Sammy very superficially, almost devoted maybe 40% at most of of the promo time talking about Sammy, And it just de-emphasized tonight's main event in my estimation. And it it could have been a lot more even with the DQ finish, I think. Um, So it made me feel as though the personal beef between these two, that was brewing months ago just kind of simmered out uh, tonight what do you guys think I, I think they were saving this match till after uh, they got back
4: on Wednesday nights and I think they paid a price uh, in terms of in terms of how fresh and intense and current it felt yeah and at the same time I think they felt the need to 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 move forward and concurrently push um, you know MJF and Jericho I think those are some good points I mean I, I I agree with you when I made the comments Saturday night in my report at Pwtorch.com and on the post show. That Sammy bringing up action figures, I, I thought was a, a just a silly comment. I mean, that's that's not the first thing you should say when you're talking about MJF, and it also makes AEW look like they're favoring MJF over Sammy, and that's clearly not the on-air storyline. Um, it just felt too, not even meta. I don't even know how to dis- how to frame it, but like too almost inside baseball. Like you're you're gonna try to get fans to invest in a match over the niche subculture of who gets an action figure first and people who think that, I mean, what that shouldn't matter to Sammy, you know, like, I mean, it's cool to have an action figure. I'm not saying he shouldn't care, but like, wow. I just was like that. That was just, I thought bad judgment on his part or whoever had him say that I, I, I immediately, my jaw kind of dropped. And then he talked about, you know, when your face is on all the posters. And so it wasn't just action figures. It came across as sort of petty jealousy over who's getting more attention. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't think that was good. Um, but, but that said, it didn't, it didn't strike me tonight. I think you make some good points, Hinton. Uh, but as I was watching it, I, I didn't think that they did a poor job building it up. But during commentary, it did seem like it was more about these two guys are great and they're the future, which is, again, a sort of meta, rather than Sammy wants to tear apart MJF. And Jericho set the bar high for that, and the match didn't really go there at first. But I think that was sort of by design, and then it got more intense after that. So, I don't know, a, a lot there, Jake. What are your, what, what are your thoughts?
8: Yeah, I, I do think they they tend to stop and start with stories. And a lot of that's because, you know, the schedule has been a little bit odd. But it, it's been, you know, a, a long-term issue where they, you know, they have several months between pay-per-views. And they they kind of plant a seed about something and then they go away from it sometimes for four or even six weeks before they circle back around to it. And then they want you to think that it's, you know, it's something that's been brewing in the background, even though they haven't even paid any attention to it. And so, I think it's a problem that is pretty easy to solve if you just focus on the story you're telling right now, and and uh, and you know, you can try to use the the commentators a little bit better to, to plant those seeds for the future rather than, you know, pontificate about the future of the company all the time. I, I don't know how much value that really adds to the broadcast. I know, you know, they they want the the overall brand of AEW to be seen as more youthful and forward looking than their competition, which I I don't necessarily disagree with, but I I don't think you need to be quite so heavy handed with it, particularly when it distracts from the immediate term uh, of of the story you're trying to tell. But in terms of, you know, MJF and, and, and Sammy, I just think they ended up telling the wrong story. You know, if, you know, Sammy got that really important win to save the inner circle at the pay-per-view and, you know, MJF, rightfully should be bitter about that because he had an opportunity to put the entire inner circle behind him and Sammy was the reason uh that he didn't get the chance to do that and that could have been the foundation for this match but they spent uh you know the last couple of weeks talking about Chris Jericho and MJF and their feud and and you know this match suffered because of it and this match suffered with the finish of this you know on this show because they were immediately more concerned about uh you know about the the distraction finish and and Jericho getting involved and, and all that stuff and so I, I I do think it's something that that can be fixed just by focusing on the story you're telling right now and then once you've completed telling it you can mm-hmm. do the other work that needs to be done in the post match and 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 that's where they uh, you know they kind of missed the boat on 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 this particular match tonight in the main event.
4: We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30-plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of VIP exclusive podcast that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, PWTorchVIPinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's PWTorchVIPinfo.com.
2: 18
11: plus. Hi, this is John Arezzi. Map Memories, my life in pro wrestling, country music, and with the Mets, is now available everywhere books are sold. Co-written by Greg Oliver, Map Memories is the story of my roller coaster life. Learn the inside stories about my days as the host of the groundbreaking pro wrestling spotlight radio show, and as the wrestling convention pioneer and dealmaker, I hold nothing back. Map Memories, available now from ECW Press.
4: Uh, Hitting anything you want to add to that or any other topics?
10: Yeah, I want to move on to the uh, Omega promo uh, yep. so, and that whole segment with Dark Order. So I'm not so sure how – I'm not so sure about the Dark Order coming out to, you know, endorse Hangman, um, these comedy geeks doing that. Omega was right. Like, Hangman wouldn't appreciate Dark Order speaking on behalf of him. And we saw that in the backstage segment later on in the show. And then he said, I don't think Hangman himself would want to challenge me or or something to that effect. And, uh, okay, first off, why would he say that other than to just bluff, right? But, however, based on what we saw later, Omega was right about that as well. Hangman did seem anxious, and I don't know how Omega would know that. And also, why is Hangman afraid of failure in the first place? Like, he won his last several major matches. He was a top ta- top tag team champion. He hasn't really had any major loss of note that I recall. Um, lost to Cage and then got his win back. Um, were they referring to his loss to Omega in that world title contendership tournament? If so, I don't recall them doing any follow-up on Hangman's mental state after that match, at least not on Dynamite. So I'm not getting the story, and I'm not too enthused about Dark Order being the the gang essentially to egg, egg on Hangman to actually take this match. I don't know if that's the making of a good top baby face. What do you guys think?
4: Uh, Jake, I'll throw to you first on that one. Um... Yeah, uh I've talked about a few of those things before, but yeah, what, what what's your take? Yeah,
8: I I've, I've wanted them to sort of pull uh hangman away from the dark order for a while now. I I don't think that faction has has found a direction in the absence of of Brody Lee. And I know that uh you know there's a certain sentimental value to keeping them together and and you know that that seems to be important to the company and and so i understand why they are doing it but hangman's involvement i think has pulled him into their orbit and away from the main event scene more so than hangman elevating them and so i i'm in agreement in the sense that i don't i don't necessarily you know, think it's a great idea to have them be his representatives or to try to have them pull him out of uh, the funk that he seems to be in, you know, that they really haven't addressed in a long time. I mean, there there's probably things that they've been doing on being the elite or something uh, on other shows where this has been, you know, they've already planted seeds for this and, and the general audience is is not aware of it. and And so, and I'm sure the the people who will want to defend this uh, this story will point out you know that they've they 've had several vlogs that we all should have watched by now where, where this has all been spelled out but i, <laughs> I don 't think they 've done as good of a job of communicating hangmans intentions or growth as a character or changes in his personality or even an update on you know his nervous drinking which he seemed to have overcome to outsmart matt hardy a couple of months ago and now suddenly he's got a drink in his hand and he's pensive and he's staring at the floor and he's he's nervous to uh to kind of pull it together to challenge omega now and i I think they have to find some consistency with him that's just been missing so far I, i really think hangman is is on the cusp of being a breakout star for yeah. the company in, in that main event scene, and they just they can't seem to get it quite right with delivering him as a baby face. Uh, that that was kind of my
4: main point is with Hang My Page, I think less is more. I think there's some wrestlers you gotta do a lot to get them to keep them interesting and to get fans behind them. And I and I'm and I'm probably more simp- I won't say I'm more sympathetic than I have to be, because I'm I choose to be as sympathetic as I am. Um when it comes to sometimes you got to fill tv time and you got to tell stories and they're not all going to be great and not everybody's going to love everyone that you do and you know if you take away with some people if you take away everything that they criticize there's almost nothing left other than a wrestling show that doesn't resemble anything that's going to last on network television that doesn't mean there's not room for specific critiquing of something but conceptually saying i don't want them to tell us this story because it's dumb and as opposed to, they could tell the story better if they did this. That can be overdone, and it's just it's it's easy. It's swinging at at lobbed over home plate sometimes. I, but with Hangman Page, like he doesn't need all this stuff. Like he doesn't. He can be friendly to Dark Order without being integrally part of having them. I'll be part of each other's segments whenever they're on television, and or or in the ring and backstage. Like he can be nice to them. But I kind of like Hangman Page as a more loner man on a mission doesn't have a drinking problem has dark order as friends but doesn't hang out with them um on television constantly and i don't think you need a storyline that he might be nervous about kenny omega and he has to overcome it i like the idea that he wants to be world champion someday and he's really talented and kenny omega is really annoying and he'd love to shut him up because he wants to be champion and he wants to um, send Kenny Omega down a notch or two. Uh, I, I just think sometimes you have people with that that innate connection with a crowd and charisma where you don't have to overcomplicate it, and this just feels like an, an inconsistently told, uh, uneven, overly complicated way to build up a Hangman Page-Kenny Omega match that I think in a way just stripped down is a match people want to see and will pay to see without all this other stuff. Check out our new 2021 PW Torch VIP podcast lineup, including Everything with Rich Fan. Hosted by Wade Keller, where on weekends we get together and talk about everything. And that includes our popular Off the Beaten Path segment, where either Rich or I present each other with something to watch that's off the beaten path and we dissect and analyze and react to it. Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's nostalgic, sometimes it's therapeutic, and sometimes it's just plucking something from the past that would work today that's not being done. But we talk about uh, WWE, NXT, AEW, all the current events in professional wrestling, also. It's a different format. In a fresh podcast dynamic with Rich and me. Every weekend, everything with Rich Fan is part of the new PW Torch VIP podcast lineup for 2021. I'll hit back to you.
10: Yeah, I agree. Um, th- th- there's a lot missing here, and I don't know if they told it on being the elite, or uh, maybe Javier's going to come in later and he's going to chime. In. He's going to say, "Oh, they did this on Dynamite. They did this on <laughs> Dynamite." Which, it's, it's like, if, if if three of us don't remember it, then clearly they have too much on this damn show, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, that, I, I don't think that that's a good enough reason. Um, but I want to I want to move on to the uh, to the women's match. I. This is where I will disagree with you, Wade. I, I love Vicky Guerrero, and maybe she's a guilty pleasure of mine. I don't know. My early years of watching wrestling, you know, mid-2000s when she was SmackDown GM and Edge's girlfriend, those are like, those, the months that were carried by Edge and Vicky Guerrero. That was almost all I could watch because I'd often stay late at school on Monday, so I'd miss Raw, and SmackDown was all I could see. So I'm not really put off by the excuse me stuff. It doesn't really diminish Nyla Rose to me. What does diminish Nyla Rose, in my opinion, is her inconsistent presentation on television and how she seemed to be a bigger deal before, or she seemed to be more present, I should say, before she got with Vicky. And after she got with Vicky, she just appeared a lot less on television. When Hickey, well, it's well, well, not not Hickey, sorry, Vicky could have uh, generated <laughs> a lot of heat for her, you know, with w- with her promos and such. So um, that's uh, you know th- that, that's my opinion of Nyla Rose. And, and again, she's probably gonna feud with 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 Britt Baker and then just fall off the radar. And Britt now, I mean, there's a lot of the, the color before me said that uh, any excuse to see Britt Baker is great and people cheering for her and them unabashedly having uh tony shavani hug her which i still doesn't sit well well with me because this guy like calls mjf all these bad words and like calls friggin don Callis everything under the sun and then he just oh no Britt baker no she's my friend i do declare um so, mm-hmm. so i think they have got to pull the trigger and just make her a top baby face because there is there's a whole lot of no baby faces right now in the women's division that are consistently presented on Dynamite. I think they got close with that with the segment they did today with uh, Nyla Rose smashing break through the table, but uh, they got to move faster on it, uh, in my opinion. So what, what were you guys' thoughts on this?
4: Yeah, yeah so just for clarification, I, I'm a fan of Vicky Goro too, but I just don't think she's a good fit with Andrade, and I don't think she's a main event act. And I think just sort of as a policy, AEW should be careful to not bring in mid-card acts from WWE doing something that feels nostalgic, and you have nostalgia for it, but doesn't feel like it's a good fit with the tone and tenor of what AEW is doing as counter-programming, frankly, to WWE, Um, screeching the excuse me line, which, again, it feels like a best-of radio station. Not something current and 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 appropriate to help get over the talent that she's managing. So I, I can like Vicky, but not like how she's being used or that she's still relying on that as much as she is. I, I thought it was interesting she wasn't with Andrade this week um, in that segment, and I, I thought she was um, amusing um, and fine in the tag match. I think she did exactly what what she other other than she uh, popped up from from uh, Baker's um, finisher and just acted like it never happened as soon as the bell rang. I I didn't like that. Um, I thought that was a a misstep on on her part. Uh, So, yeah, you you mentioned a few other things I'll throw to Jake and then uh, then reply after that.
8: Yeah, I I guess I didn't understand the finish to the women's match. Why did Nyla Rose tag out of that match to Vicky when she had the advantage? Um, And another thing, I think Rebel got hurt um, because she just disappeared from the match, and then I was... Seeing people on uh, social media posting that she got literally carried backstage uh, after yeah. that whole segment, um, and so she wasn't. Maybe she was supposed to be more present in that finish, and that's why it looked as sloppy as it did. But it, it, the match didn't conclude on a high note for, for my personal taste. Um, and and I guess the Vicky not being a great partner for Andrade was kind of obvious for the start. I think. It works a little bit better with her and, and Nyla Rose, yeah, who yeah. I don't I don't think is very comfortable behind a microphone yet. Maybe that'll that'll change and 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 they'll eventually uh, you know separate them once once Nyla has a has a bit uh, you know stronger comfort level. But I I think the 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 instinct to keep nyla as the heel and position baker as the baby face is a smart move and the post-match attack seems to indicate that's the direction they're going and it'll especially be the case without rebel if she's unable to be at ringside i'm I, I think that's uh that may be the case for the time being if she's got uh, another serious injury it looked like maybe to her knee or leg but uh I, I think once once they hit the road, Baker's going to be getting mega cheers, and then they're not going to have much of a choice. But and I and I think Vicky is, is keep her away from Andrade. But in the in the women's division, managing Nyla, she's she's effective.
4: Yeah, I, I I'm for people kind of reinventing themselves too when you're in a different context and in a different position I I don't think Nala Rose's character it makes sense to have somebody screeching excuse me either like I I just it's it's a compliment not a criticism if if Vicky is willing to take it that way that I think she's really talented uh and and doesn't need to lean on the nostalgia of that kind of overplayed mid-card shtick uh which is I think what it became at the end um and and you can argue it always was but you know just it was elevated at times uh, above its pay grade or natural water level, whatever cliche you want to use. Um, but I, with Andrade, it doesn't fit at all. And I mean, that I wasn't really complaining about Vicky all that much other than I thought, excuse me, just feels like trite and cliche and overplayed. So I guess that's criticism. But the Andrade thing is a terrible fit. I don't get it at all. Just because they think Andrade and Eddie are comparative, um, that's, I just, I, I don't think that's a good reason to pair them up if it's a bad fit. But Nyla Rose, it's not, Nyla Rose is a less established character. So, you, you. I think you can. They can kind of blend together, and and Vicky can bring Nyla to a new place as a character, if they do that right. But it's been an underdeveloped pairing. Um, it's it's almost like Hangman Page is drinking. Like, I mean, there was a long stretch where they just they weren't on television. At least not on Dynamite. And I'm with Cody. You shouldn't have to watch older content to keep up on what's going on on Dynamite. And if there's anything that happened off Dynamite, there should be somebody <laughs> saying we need to run a, a brief video clip to catch people up on what happened on Dark elevation or being the elite to, uh, to catch people up. On the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, we get right into the top story of the show or the top talking point. But if you don't have time to watch Raw, Dynamite, or SmackDown and you'd like to get a rundown of what happened on the show, I record those... Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night for VIP members on the Wade Keller Hotline. The every single day Wade Keller Hotline takes on different formats. But after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, as soon as I wrap up posting the post show and send it off to the producer, I record the Wade Keller Hotline reviewing Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. I'll catch you up on everything that happened. I'll talk about key points in each match, key statements in each promo, and evaluate what I thought worked and didn't work, and add some other observations that don't make it out of the post show. Maybe something an announcer said, something somebody in the audience did, or other... Production notes that jump out to me as I'm watching the show. So go VIP and make following wrestling easier. When you are a VIP member, you can hear the Weight Teller hotline and listen to it as a primer before listening to our post shows. And of course, as a VIP member, the Weight Teller post shows have the ads and plugs edited out for a streamlined listening experience. Go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And I don't know if I Oh, oh, I well, I have a follow-up for Jake first. In a macro sense, why are they taking their time moving Britt to just a clear-cut baby face? Like, is there merit to the journey? Is there some explanation for why it it's 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 not quite as bad as Ripley, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte uh on WWE TV, but neither are consistently likable enough uh to really just get behind. And I just I think the fun of wrestling is getting behind somebody who's likable and not having a headwind that gets in the way of just rooting for them.
8: Yeah, I maybe it's because of her previous experience as a babyface where she didn't really seem to have the natural instincts to know what to do and and maybe that's maybe that's changed now that she has some experience under her belt and she has some confidence and obviously she has the championship. Um, but it, it may be a reticence to have her go back to a different promo style that just wasn't clicking. Like I, if you recall those, you know those initial episodes of Dynamite where they had her out there just trying to be a babyface dentist. It was an absolute nightmare uh, for her trying to get over, and they really found success with her when she. Turned heel and and became you know <laughs> the sort of mean girl standard that, uh, that that you know females in in wrestling have adopted over the last couple of years when they take on new heel personas. But I, I think but if, Baker if, is if the drawbridge is opening, you got to choose a side. You can't just have
4: your likes split in half. I mean, like it's either she's a face or heel. If she's going to be heel for the reasons you said, and there's merit to all those comments, then match her against a clear cut babyface and establish to fans you might like her, but she doesn't like you and She's not going to play into your cheers, and we're, we're going with this. We're going to give it a try. Or match her against clear-cut heels and have her uh, adjust her what people like about her, but let her stay true to what brought her to the stage of stardom with that fan base and, and finesse that. But it, it, it sort of feels like they got one leg on each side of the drawbridge, and they're just, you know they're splitting her in half in a way that isn't effective.
8: No, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just I, I think I understand the hesitance. I just think they're they need to commit now that they yeah. I think they picked the direction now with with the way that this match uh, ended and the and uh, the post match attack. They they have to have her try to adopt uh, a, a style where she's going to appeal to the audience. It can't be in the same way she did before because that was. That was a complete mistake and, and didn't work. But she's gonna have to find a way to keep a piece of that attitude that she adopted as a heel and and try to try to find a new kind of compromised babyface persona.
4: Yep. Uh hitting any closing words for us?
10: yeah uh uh, just to respond to you wade um i i do concede to put aside my nostalgia because i have consistently asked the sting fans and the wcw (laughs) fans of AEW to put aside their nostalgia as well um especially when you have like Arn anderson freaking doing the 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 four sign to the heels in the ring it just yeah like (laughs) if if that nostalgia bothers me i gotta be consistent so i I concede um final very brief point and then i'll sign off uh Meryl has a great new music, a great new, just a great new entrance. It just felt ah, different today. Yeah, um, really, really epic. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, otherwise, everyone, go VIP. Uh, this week's episode of uh, the Fixed Mailbag is is bound to be a really good one. I can say so.
4: <laughs> all right, you know more than me. Um, although I think it's always great. Um, thanks, Hinton. Yeah, I, in fact, as I was watching Meryl's ring entrance, Jake, I was thinking about. It just kind of crossed my mind, like, how high-end that entrance was and what a change it's been for him, and the announcers talked about it. Um, how, you know, it, he's gone, he's come a long way in terms of his attitude and his presentation and his apparent aspirations since he was with Kipsabian and, and and doing video games. I think it's time to change the name of his finisher um, to even further distance himself from, from that nonsense um, in those early months after he arrived. And just the ring entrance itself, I was just thinking, this is this is like high-end production in terms of a ring entrance and the music and the camera angles and the video screen, it, it made him feel like a star. And then he did, did his part. I don't want uh, to be redundant in my praise for him too much, but I, I do want to underline what the announcers are pointing out, something I agree with and have, have been touting, which is he seems all business and badass, and he he's not playing into, wouldn't it be fun if I got to do this because I have some creative control? He's now a money heel and or or you know on the verge of becoming one and i i i enjoyed that they built up just like they did last week with jungle boy they built up brian pillman jr they let him cut up you know just old school baby face promo i could do without the the bitch line at the end it's just tired and i thought we had a moratorium on on anyone saying that um for for the rest of the year because it was so overdone by so many people uh but that aside it was just like they built it up like hey maybe you know but miro won decisively and quickly and it it sent a message but it was a worthwhile TV segment and Miro looked uh dominant and the announcers rightfully said who can stop Miro at the end um and and that is a question that should linger
8: after a match of that type uh your thoughts on any of that Jake yeah I I think Miro is is a star and he he should have been one immediately when he arrived in the company and, and they they uh they saddled him with a gimmick that was going nowhere fast unfortunately but he's he's you know pulled out of the stall and he he looks uh, as good as everyone hoped he would you know coming into the company when he left wwe and so i i think you know this it's an interesting pivot you know i, I don't know quite how far they're going to take this redeemer you know god's favorite champion type character it almost feels like a heel that they're setting up cody rhodes to slay uh you know like he, he he seems like the the type of you know going back to the american dream that kind of thing uh you know I, I think that might be their ultimate opponent for him whenever whenever he's done with uh with qt and the rest of the factory but uh, when he leaves the Cody-verse. I, I don't know. yeah, yeah. It, it really does feel like he operates in a separate universe from the yeah. rest of the, the AEW show but i I, you know, I, I think that 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 time, you know, that could be weeks or even months away. So I, I don't know what you do to keep Miro busy over the next couple of months. It, it's going to be difficult to find him a a string of opponents to go through when you know the the roster that they've built up meaningfully on TV is is fairly small.
12: In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
13: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
4: All right, uh, we will stay in Canada uh, and go to Alex Montreal, and then we've got Bryant in Boston and also area code 586 on deck. So uh, hold tight, everybody. We'll go to Alex next. Uh, Thanks for calling, Alex. What's in your mind about Dynamite tonight?
14: Hey, guys. uh, So first of all, let me say that nothing in my life will stop watching WWE Dynamite. (laughs) Uh, That was a heck of a show tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, seriously, seriously, though. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm generally much more positive on the show than um, I find a lot of the callers to your show there. <laughs> Uh And, uh, you know, it's because I've... It, like, AEW is the first promotion that I've enjoyed on a week-to-week basis in North America in, like, close to 20 years, i got to be honest with you. So uh, I find I'm much more forgiving of a lot of the stuff that um, kind of, like, comes up about them. But going to the show specifically... Um, I really enjoyed the promo from Andrade and I don't know why he wasn't allowed to speak more when he was with uh, WWE because uh, even like the the short sentences, even if the grammar isn't perfect, he has an intensity about him and he has a charisma and a charm about him that kind of just oozes through the screen. And um, I really loved that tonight about next week. It's going to be Andrade El Idolo against Matt something I'm kind of (laughs) just waving him away dismissing him and you know that he's gonna you you know it's gonna be a great match you know Seidel's gonna get that like maybe one or two near falls and that's all he really needs to get but um, I'm really looking forward to that match I really like uh, the way Andrade has been presented so far Uh, Vicky notwithstanding I have to say I don't know what they're doing there but um, he's still got that surprise in his back pocket too so I wonder what that's going to be. And uh, yeah, just what do you think about Andrade's presentation so far, his work tonight and uh, kind of a dismissive attitude towards Matt Seidel?
4: Yeah. um, Great points. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I I loved Matt something. I hope, I I hope he can make that work and continue on with it. I think it's a great bit. Um, If it's his character, I think there's a little bit of Marlon Brando, Godfather and his, you got to listen to what he's saying carefully. Um, And I I think it's fine. They're like, Captioning what he says allows him to sit, to speak in a language he's comfortable in, so that 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 bravado and that that confidence doesn't get lost because he's searching for the words or trying to recall, uh, you know, what the translation of his thoughts are into English, and it just trips him up and it makes him not seem like a star and not seem intimidating. And I think AW has figured out what to do with him, and I think there is enough there. Doing something unconventional that WWE just frankly isn't really willing to do or consider doing, um, this this shows the merits of of not being strident, and and having this very narrow vision of, of how you're you present your talent. Um, so yeah, I like this. I like the at- the sit down interview with Jim Ross at that luxury home. Uh, Andrade is a guy who who seems badass and serious and a guy that you wouldn't want to bother if he's eating dinner if you saw him in a restaurant. Uh, because he knows people, or he would find a way quietly to make sure you knew never to do that again. And I think that is a a great trait for a heel wrestling character. So I have been a fan so far, um, Jake. Whatever. What do you, Jake? Something. What do you think of that?
8: <laughs> yeah, I I'm a big fan of the presentation. I I I think the the, the Vicky situation it should be just tossed aside. And I, I hope the surprise that he's referencing is see a Trinidad coming in. I I think that would, that would be an immediate boost to him. And the fact that they're, they're using, uh, you know, subtitles is something that I, I I still have no idea why WWE doesn't get on board with that because they, they do have several, uh, you know, characters that, that don't speak English particularly well that could benefit from it in a big way.
4: And, and I think it works great for Andrade's character. I mean, it creates, uh, an aura and a mystique to his character. That's, Almost a, you know, a, a villain in Breaking Bad. Like, it just... It, he always had that in him. And, you know, whatever they tried to do with him in NXT, with that outfit that was mocked from the beginning, um, and then, you know, just the lack of... You could just see he lost confidence in himself because he was in a situation where he couldn't express himself confidently. And and now in AEW, I, I think he's going to grow as a character. I I was not a proponent of him being a um i'm I'm trying to think how to frame this to be fair to myself i didn't think he was a gimme top tier guy i thought that he was a borderline top tier guy more a a utility gatekeeper you know who can give you good matches but you know can you really build a can you really build a pay-per-view main event or co-main event around his act he's not super tall he was marginalized in WWE, and his promos were weak I think they've covered. I think they've covered a ton of that so far. I think they've made up a lot of ground. Um it took it, it 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 has to be deliberate. There has to be a game plan and it takes some work, but I am revising my opinion on his upside based on AW doing some things that uh that I don't think were a given would be would that they'd think of or that that would be successful. So uh, I'm with you Alex. Yeah. He is a successor. By the way, I thought this was a good episode of dynamite like um you know i i think the critiques are are valid that that callers are brought up and that jake and i've talked about but um i totally get (laughs) watching this product and and i mean just about every every segment i'm just like this there's a cool factor and and a fun and a joy performance and uh unpredictability that just isn't present in a wwe product that i'm not even as down on as probably the average person who listens to my shows um but i but I also, um, you know, this is very refreshing. I, as you talk about, you know, this being the first show you like, North American-based in, in X number of years or decades, I totally get it. I mean, I see when I watch Dynamite, I totally understand how this is a type of show where there, I, I, why I said they're out there earlier when um, there was skepticism about if there's a second million out there. I think AEW, with, with marketing and tweaking and time, um, has, can absolutely get to 2 million viewers. Um, even in this television environment, I mean, I, I think I mean, maybe maybe it's a seven day total, not a not a same night total, um, but that's that's fine. You know, I mean, they're, they're peaking at a one point one one point three million right now after seven days. I, to, I definitely think they can add another seven to nine hundred thousand people over the next couple of years if they do things right.
14: Uh, no, just uh, two more things. I just wanted to quickly mention, that, and I'll take your answer off there. I kind of got a got a jet, so. Um, yep. Uh, two little character touches that I really liked about tonight. Um, at the end of Nero's match when he held the title up like as an offering to heaven and looking up, and he almost had like tears in his eyes. <laughs> uh, I think this, this he's going to add these little character touches over time. I don't know how far he's going to take this Redeemer, God's favorite champion character, but I really like that aspect tonight. And the look of euphoria, that's what I'll call it, on Sean Spears' face after the Share shot, I thought was a really nice character touch as well. And I think that he's doing the best work he's done since coming to AEW and probably even surpassing his, at this point to me, he surpassed kind of like the 10 gimmick guy thing. So, uh, yeah, just what do you think about those two character moments? And um, I'll probably listen to this tomorrow morning. Sure. So thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Have a good night.
4: Totally get it. Thanks, Alex. I forget we're on Wednesday and not Friday or Saturday night, too, Jake. Um, it's, it's I'm, I'm recalibrating and readjusting here um yeah your, your thoughts on uh on uh both items that uh that Alex brought up
8: yeah I think I, I mentioned earlier that I'm I'm very curious to see how far they take the uh the religious aspect of of uh, miro's character and you know what that's going to mean for whoever matches up against him who's you know finally going to be the one who who beats him you know is it is it some, are they going to set up somebody who's religious against someone who's skeptical, like they had tonight with, uh, you know, with Brian Pillman, uh, or is it going to be somebody else who believes just as fervently that they're, you know, on a mission from from some kind of uh, all all-knowing authority? But and
4: let, let me jump in because I don't I don't see this as and maybe this sounds sort of absurd and preposterous. I don't see it as a religious gimmick. I see it as a guy who's using. Who's full of himself and is trying to uh, express, knowing it's going to bother people, the idea that whoever your God is, whoever God is, I'm his favorite champion and I thank God for giving me the power to hurt and maim people. Like it doesn't feel like specifically religious. Cause I don't I mean I know the concept of God is religious, but it doesn't feel like anti-religious in any specific way. As much as just sort of the con if there's a God, the concept of God, I'm his favorite. And I think there's a dry sense of humor behind it that's sort of playing off of athletes, you know, thank you God for making sure they hit the three-point shot at the end of a game because they're God's favorite player that night. And so I think it was based on that sort of mirror dry sense of humor and But, I, like, if they come at it like, well, he's anti-religious or like or it's blasphemous what he's saying, I don't know if that's going to work as much as playing into or, – or the pushback against Miro should just be how, how highly he thinks of himself and how over-the-top he is about his belief in that if there is a God, he would be God's favorite. Like, I think you can do that without making it, like, the the ultimate kind of – direction this is going is somebody now speaking for religion in a non-blasphemous way or something like i think you get into territory that's going to be a
8: turnoff if they do that does that make sense no yeah i, I mean more often in wrestling you know it's the megalomania there aspect yes. of it it's like it's that's not what i was looking for yeah. it's not it's not necessarily i'm doing this for god it's i am god you know that's typically the way that wrestling heals yeah yes uh so So this is an interesting kind of take on on that situation where I I just I don't know which direction it's going to go. It it could be very tame and not very, you know, not evoke religion at all. But it seems a little weird to go in that direction if you're going to call somebody the redeemer. I I think you have to at least explain who or what he's redeeming in, in this case, or maybe it's just himself. Uh, but, but I, I think they, they have to do some explaining with it uh, if they want to make it a really integral part of his character going forward. And it'll be interesting to see who they line up against him and how they try to take him down psychologically. I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. But I, I do enjoy the direction of it, and I'm curious to see where it goes next. But uh, in, in terms of Sean Spears... I'm I don't know. I have a hard time really getting into it. Like what's a low bar mean- to get above the ten. What minutes? is it yeah, what does it mean to be the chair guy? You know, I, I don't know what man. that is. Like it's not really like that's not a personality. Like I you know, it, it's, it's a pun. It, it's yeah, I mean it, it just like the ten thing. It's just yeah. it's it's very one note. And so I uh I, I hesitate to overly praise it. Is it better than what he's been doing in recent months? Absolutely. But I, I think they gotta they gotta find him a different niche.
4: Yeah, I, I think he's risen above the ten gimmick. Uh, flicking ten fingers and s- smirking at the camera was not a wrestling personality. Um, and if he was going to have it, you know, he would have had it by now. Um, but I think AW is taking the the turnoff factor of his. He always looks like he's thinking of, of a juvenile fart joke, like, and he just can't wait to tell someone who's going to laugh at it. Like that's his smirk. It's just like it, that, and that's it. That's like all he. That's his expression. And, and then the idea that, oh, and he's into chairs and he is the chairman because he do, did a chair shot to Cody back before Dynamite started. It's like that's writing that a little too literally and it's very, very flimsy and one-dimensional of a gimmick. All that said, I, I absolutely agree he surpassed the 10 gimmick. I, I'm – yeah. I mean I mixed feelings about like the idea, oh, now we're going to get Sammy Guevara and, and Sean Spears – it's like he better step up if that's what they're going to do and cut a promo that isn't just a smirk and a pun while holding a chair and think, wow, this is this is enough to justify me being on television. So I just, you know, th- this is a chance for him to show he deserves the, the investment that AW continues to make in him, including putting him in this new faction. Um, and, you know, even if he is sort of a, a designated jobber ultimately at times. Now through Patreon, you can get the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-shows, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts, and the PW Torch daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and VIP after-shows by supporting us on Patreon with a Tier 1 membership for just $4.99 per month. You can also upgrade to get additional bonus content, including all the VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletters, through Patreon. Check out details at patreon.com slash VIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Let's go to Brian Tabasco, then on deck is 586. Uh, Brian, thanks for holding. I uh, appreciate your call. What would you think of Dynamite tonight?
11: Hi, Wade. Hi, Jake. How are you guys doing tonight?
4: We're uh, good. Thanks.
11: Good. Um I... I had kind of a structure I wanted to go with and what I wanted to talk about, but that first call by Chris kind of uh, upended that a little bit, so I'm going to change gears a little bit here. I I disagree with him on both counts. As far as the first match goes with the Young Bucks versus Penta and uh, Eddie Kingston, I thought that was a great match. I I don't know what he was watching, but uh, it was was really good. I mean, I I don't think the high-flying was... Too over the top for a young bucks match, to be honest. And I thought, you know, there was a little bit of chicanery, but it ended up backfiring on the bucks. And uh, you know, they they got a well-deserved loss for the first time. But you know, they'll come back and win next week, so it doesn't hurt them too much. Although I think the tag title match should be delayed a little bit—not like the next week. But um, anyway, and the other point I wanted to make. Uh, was that in the women's match? He said that he said he didn't mind the women's match too much, and I I don't know what he was watching, but I I I, I didn't really like that too much, mainly because well, Vicky Guerrero has no business wrestling in the ring, and you know Sean uh, Sean Sapp of uh, whatever whatever thing he's part of said he didn't need that match, and I agreed with him, I, 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 just, I mean, you know, the, the outcome was good, but, uh, you know, Nyla Rose is kind of a sloppy worker and you could tell by the way, she kind of fell off the turn buckle, uh, um, in the lead up to the finish that, you know, it was a bit sloppy. And with the, uh, with the aftermath of the match, uh, yeah, I, I think it was a little overbooked with, uh, with, uh, with the, with the you know one power bomb is fine but they didn't need to have Rose do a second power bomb off the ring apron onto the table I mean that's overkill and you know it's very dangerous too because you know Rose is not the most accomplished worker in the world and she could have easily hurt Baker doing that and I I, I just think that was unnecessary but um the main point I kind of wanted to Get at was uh, as far as this surprise that Andrade may have. Um, have you heard anything like any rumors or anything about the Trinidad or anything like that? I haven't really heard anything myself, but I'm I'm really hoping that she comes in for um, to be his manager, and she's also a pretty underrated wrestler as well. I'm just wondering maybe if you've heard anything on that front,
8: uh, uh, Jake. I'll, I'll throw to you on that first. Uh, I guess I haven't heard any specific rumors about her coming in, other than, you know, there there was a lot of speculation, you know, when she got released that she would end up in AEW, and then for a time there, it seemed like she might end up back in in WWE, or at least that's the, you know, that that's that was a, an established rumor at at one time as well. But I, I think with her with her husband. Uh, with her husband leaving, I, I would think that it's probably more likely that she ends up in AEW now, in uh, you know, rather than than WWE. And they've been teasing a big surprise from from Andrade, and I'm I'm hoping that it, that's it. You know, that that would be a huge boost for for him, uh, particularly when he's live in front of an audience and could use someone to, to deliver a few lines that he might ordinarily struggle with if he's trying to do an English promo. So uh, I, I don't think Vicky's the right fit. I think we've talked about that several times on, on this show where it just it, it seems like it's just an odd couple pairing. And I think uh, you know they had such a great chemistry together in WWE that bringing in you know, Thea would be a, a move in the right direction.
11: I also, I, I also have noticed that AEW, unlike WWE, does a very good job at keeping signings secret until they actually debut. Like, for instance, with Big Show or Mark Henry, no one knew what was going on with that until they had signed with the company. And even with Andrade, um, like there hadn't even really been concrete rumors in the weeks leading up to it before he debuted. So they've been pretty good at keeping a secret about that. So it doesn't really surprise me that there haven't been any rumors on the grapevine or anything like that.
4: Yeah. It's, it's more just logical and, you know, hope in people I think are hopeful.
11: Yeah. It also helps that, um, that there's not a moron booking AEW like <laughs> Vince McMahon.
4: <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Every Sunday night, catch wrestling night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern.
4: Uh, very good. Um, anything else you want to add to uh, your rebuttal of, of our first
11: caller? I the, the one last point I wanted to talk about, and then I'll, uh, I know you guys get more callers, I'll uh, hang up and take the answer off there, was Ethan Page's promo. I mean, he did do a bit of yelling, so I think that could have been tamped down a bit. But his promo, I thought, was really good, and I think they may have something. I mean, I, at first I thought, you know, he probably wouldn't progress much beyond you know like a good tag team wrestler sort of thing but after seeing that promo and how they've developed him in the past couple of months i really think they may have something if they book if they book him right as far as maybe tag team champion or maybe a solid high mid card or something i i think there's something there if they if they book him right anyway that's uh all i got and uh hope you guys have a good night
4: Alright, I uh, appreciate it, uh, Brian. Thanks. Alright, uh, we'll go to uh, 586 next. 586, go ahead and state your name and, and where you're calling from.
13: Hey, Wade and Jake, this is Shane from Detroit. How are you?
4: Uh, very good, thanks for calling. Um, good to hear from you. What did you think of uh, Dynamite tonight?
13: Well, I thought it was overall a good show. I mean, obviously it was their you know, last show at Daily's, Daily's Place, and it was good for it to be back on its normal time. Um, because the last few weeks have been a bit rough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a few things. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of, you know, positive fan service tonight. You know, obviously, I wanted people to go home happy. There were some things that I thought, like, don't want a fancy book too much, but would have been cool to see. Like, when Dark Order came out, you know, obviously, Kenny Omega has pretty much ran through a lot of the other top solos guys right now. Um, and, you know, Heyman Page is obviously, you know, the next guy in line. I thought it would have been cool if he actually would have came out in Dark Order, you know, if Evil Uno, you know, after he said a little bit there, if, you know, Hangman's music would have hit and he would have come out and, uh, you know, actually been more part of it as opposed to, you know, the backstage segment we got after.
8: Uh, Jake, what do you think of that? Yeah, I I thought that whole segment ended on kind of a weird note where it felt like Omega as the heel had some, like, really good points where it was... (laughs) You know, he, he thought, oh, you know, I don't, I don't think Hangman would appreciate, you know, you speaking on his behalf. And it turned out that he didn't. Yeah. And he also thought that he might have been not in a mental state where he would want to challenge him. And it turned <laughs> out he was right about that, too. And so it was it, it was strange that that was the launching point for what I assume will be the Omega and uh, and Hangman feud. I I was hoping that they would have moved past the. The story of Hangman being a guy who had shattered confidence after the last couple of months where it seemed like he he had overcome, uh, you know, the the alcoholism, you know, or at least the the hinting at alcoholism and, and found a way to to pick up some important wins on his way to. Uh, you know, to earning his way back to being the number one contender, and then now we—I we, feel like we're we're hitting you know rewind on the VCR a little bit from a character perspective, and, and now he's going to have to relive this all over again. So, yeah, I, I thought the way that they they presented this tonight as the as the kickoff to that feud, I'm assuming it's going to play out over several months leading to the next pay per view, was was a little bit of confused storytelling. I don't know if it was the strongest way to start that out. Yeah.
4: Yep. Uh, uh, Shane anything else um yeah just
13: a, maybe a couple other small things and I, I know it's getting late here um, so another thing is is that the Sammy mgf match obviously was going very well it was a very fantastic um, showing for the first time round um, there were definitely some of those small little you know timing botches that were you know brought up earlier I would have actually liked to see more of a standard clean finish to it Obviously, we got treated tonight. Jericho was on commentary all night. And we I don't know if we've had that in a while. Maybe we've had it last week, and I just don't remember. Um, but, you know, is that or do the WCW finish where everybody comes out. Like, where was Jake Hager, even if he would have been, like, you know, in, in some kind of bandage? I don't know if I missed something there. But, you know, he didn't run out. Um, you know, Pride and uh, Powerful didn't come out. So, you know, I don't know. I felt like... You know, there's something that could have been done there too, but I would have loved to see either Sammy or MGF really just go over clean, personally.
4: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at the top of the show uh, that would have gotten my vote. I think Sammy can afford to lose at this point. I don't think Sammy is a a breakout uh, polished babyface promo or overall breakout babyface act. Even though I, I, I his in ring presentation and playing to the crowd and showing fire is really good. Um, I, I think his promos leg far enough behind and where you're not on the verge of, of building around him. So you are with MJF. More, you're closer. So give give MJF a win. Let him let him gloat, brag about it. And, it, you know, Sammy can be a bit of a gatekeeper or a stepping stone to Jericho at this stage. And that's part of Sammy's journey. I, I don't think it defines Sammy down irreparably to do that. And I think it builds your brand to not have that finish. I, as far as Jake Hager goes, I just want to say because I, I – it hasn't come up yet, he still just seems like a complete turnaround in terms of how engaged he is right now. That promo with Santana and Ortiz, I would not have – who would have called You know, a year ago that Jake Hager would be stealing the show on a three-way promo with Santana and Ortiz? And Santana and Ortiz were really good. I loved Ortiz having just that one line at the end and being a man of few words, and Santana was good too. But Hager just is so engaged and seems so uh, just – believable in in his intensity right now it's fun to see it's fun to see a higher end version of him uh, to go along with with Miro and a few other people who have stepped up uh Jake your thoughts
8: I I thought Hager was great um in in that three-way promo I much better and had much more confidence than we're accustomed to seeing and maybe you know being in that pre-tape format is is a really good thing for him uh, and a confidence builder. I I know he's, you know, he's had some rough moments when, uh, when he's been in front of a live crowd trying to, to hit all of his points in his promos. And he, he tends to panic and and rush through things at times, but he, he seemed really, uh, really comfortable there. But as far as the, you know, the, 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 main event is concerned. Yeah. I'm, I'm in total agreement. A clean finish would have been the better story to tell. I mean, if, uh, If MJF had been able to put away Guevara clean and then just had that, you know, stare down at the end of the show for Jericho, letting him know that he was coming for him next. I I think that's the that's the way to send the message and and get to where they were going with that next feud. I I don't think the, the finish they chose really set them up for any major segment next week. They're supposed to have a face to face between mjf and and jericho but I, I think it means a lot more if they're able to tell the the more uh, emotional story of mjf getting under his uh jericho skin with with tonight's show and they just they really didn't i mean it was just jericho got thrown off a of stage again you know i i i, I get uh, the appeal of stunt bumps but i think they've already gone through enough of those in that in this feud thus far uh shane
4: anything else you want to add uh that's all i got for you guys tonight
8: um thank you so
13: much for taking my call
4: absolutely thanks for calling please call again We'll do. Talk, talk awesome. to you, Yep, Bye. very good. All right, we've got another uh, Skype call, I believe. Here, go ahead. State your name and where you're calling from. It's Craig from Toledo. Hey Craig, good to hear from you. It's been a while. How you doing?
1: I'm swell. I'm <laughs> glad to be talking to you again on a Wednesday. The the uh, it's kind of a bigger picture thing. The the Brit when when she got leg dropped from the top, it looked like something happened, and like they took a while to get to the next spot. And then she followed it up with a powerbomb, and I'm like, man, that's a lot to go into one one specific set. And I know Britt is like really into like the what what she uh, like the fanfare she received from um, that match with uh, Thunder Rosa, and um, and and the same thing happened with Sammy with the the top rope pile driver thing. And I'm like, are these guys like since they're going back to crowds? going to be taking bigger risks going forward? Cause I, I really don't want that. I, I, I want them to be safe, you know, and I, I know they're going to try to be, but it just seems like they were going all out. And I, I don't want anybody getting, you know, paralyzed and stuff like that. So what do you, what, what do you guys think that they're going to um, be doing more of that stuff going forward? Or, or was that just a one, one night thing?
4: Um, yeah, no, I, I I hope we don't see see that. I mean, we have a chair shot to the head. Yes, Sammy got his hands up, and and the business is in a better place than it was 15 years ago, as far as that stuff goes. But we had that, and as the last caller said, a uh, you know a, a power bomb off the ring apron through a table that might have been uh, one move more than that feud needed, and that they had time on the TV show to follow up on, and then obviously the tombstone pile driver off the ropes that we've talked about. Um, AEW again tends to do more than they have time to get the full uh, the full benefits from because they just move on to the next thing. And, you know, they don't need to. You know, I mean WWE has, has adjusted their style to the point where almost no one's taking flatback bumps anymore and it's it's you know, AEW has a chance to counter program that without putting their stars at risk of of, of major injuries. Uh, Jake, your thoughts.
8: Yeah, I, I don't know what the you know, if AEW is gonna be ramping up the the risk factor now that they're going back out on the road, I I, I don't know if it's really justifiable. I mean, it it, it yeah, you know, there, there's always going to be risk in in every match. I mean, I guess every bump you take has the the risk of, of producing an injury. You know, I, I, we've seen people getting hurt hitting the ropes as much as we've seen them get hurt doing Canadian destroyers. And so I think there's, there's plenty of risk all around, but you know, unnecessary risks, uh, you know, are are certainly things that you have to avoid. And I don't know, you know, do you necessarily need to do a a second rope tombstone? If it's going to be a near fall when you got seven more minutes to go in a match, you know, I, I don't think so personally. I mean, it was certainly an eye grabbing uh, spot, but it, it didn't make the match. You know, it, it, it you had a lot more to process after that, and then it ended on a chair shot anyway. And so, I think those types of things can be can be smoothed out. But I I you know I I don't know what the future holds for AEW, but I, a more a more risky in ring style certainly shouldn't be one of those things. Yeah. Yep.
1: I agree. Uh, Craig, anything else? Um, no, I just want to say, um, everybody yeah, I, I did that thing because you you, you stop calling people out on it. Yeah, no, I don't have anything else to say. But uh, everyone should go VIP. Uh, <laughs> it's been an awesome investment. Subscribe to the Observer for this long, and and I'm um, sorry, everyone seems <laughs> to be afraid to have fun with this tonight. Uh, I, I'm thanks. not, I, I'm
4: not afraid of it. I was leaning back, just seeing how many how many people would get creative creative with it. Because um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's fun to play around with it. All right, Craig, good to hear your voice again. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. I hope we can.
11: Absolutely.
4: That is uh, Greg from Ohio, uh, Toledo, uh, one of our favorite people.
9: Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at PWTorch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger. And our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PWTorch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise.
4: Jake, will uh, know Javier this week. So those who are waiting for him, um, you're out of luck. Uh, don't know. Hope he's okay. <laughs> um, so we won't have a Javier segment, but we can uh, fit in a few emails here as we wrap up. Um, James and Clemson says, I first want to say I will never pronounce Tony Schiavone's name the same way again. Thanks, Chris Jericho. Tonight's main event was fantastic. I personally thought it may have been a match of the year candidate. I'm not a fan of interference, but the match prior to Spears walking out was was of the highest quality. M.G.F. reminds me of Floyd Mayweather. He's the best defensive wrestler in the world, and his personality makes you want to see him get his ass kicked. Sammy Guevara was fantastic, too. I think he should be the one to dethrone Miro. God's champion versus the Spanish God just writes itself. Um, I mean, I could see that uh, being a match down the line, Jake. Uh, and maybe if they want to get to that sooner than later, that maybe that's why they didn't want Guevara losing clean to MJF tonight, if they're going to split them off onto separate tracks once we get past
8: the two factions uh, battling ex- each other almost exclusively. Yeah, you certainly can't rule that out. I, I wouldn't be against the idea either. It's it's just how do the how do you make those personalities mesh? You know, it, is uh, is Miro going to be offended that Sammy calls himself a god? And and if so, why is he offended? Is it because of his his uh, whatever deism religious belief that he carries? I, I think there's there's certainly a lot of uh, potential storyline uh, you know angles you can go with there. So yeah, I, I'm all for it, but I. I don't know if that's necessarily a reason to avoid doing a clean finish. It's not like you can't rehab a guy. I, I, I yeah. think that's, uh, you know, I, I think we're just kind of splitting hairs in that case.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I face, if I say that might have been why they did it, it that should not be um, interpreted as an endorsement, either an endorsement or a rebuttal of it as much as it just might be on their mind. It might explain um, the rationale for why they did what they did, even if you think it was still the wrong decision to make. Uh, All right, let's see. Uh, Chris A says, a couple comments. Did Jim Ross just go off the air saying you must experience WWE Dynamite Live? If so, that's got to be the biggest blunder to date. And Wade, rejoice. Miro has new music. Uh, And Jericho was very enjoyable on commentary, again, as usual. Um, Jake, we talked about his first two items, uh, but uh, Jericho was enjoyable tonight. I I think Jericho, in the early uh, weeks of the pandemic, when he was on commentary, was very important. To the show um, when Jim Ross wasn't there before he relocated to Jacksonville, as we heard about quite a bit tonight. Um, Jericho was good, but I don't think he should be on every week doing the shtick he does. Uh, But I think a match here and there and a full two hours now and then is fine, especially when he's as invested in the main event as he was. What is your evaluation of of Jericho in color commentary, strengths, weaknesses, things he leans it too hard in on, things he should, um, or or things that that are highlights of, of his commentary?
8: Well, I think it was a lot more natural for him to be out there as a babyface commentator. I think one of the things that was, stood out to me when he was doing it earlier on in the pandemic as a heel was that he would basically be a babyface commentator until he would have to stop himself and do something heelish because he realized he was out of character for a moment or two. And so this, this felt like a very natural uh, transition for him. And he wasn't nearly as... Uh, obnoxious i think he kind of tamed it back a little bit he, he didn't feel like he had to fill literally every second of airtime with his voice and that was a big improvement and so yeah i i, I didn't mind jericho on commentary tonight he added something to the broadcast i i think you know a four-man booth in general is probably a little bit too much but they they managed to avoid talking over each other too much
4: yeah, Yep. yep All right, uh, Steve G is up next. He goes, I really enjoyed Dynamite tonight more than usual. Tonight on the Fight TV app, the announcers made a reference to Bill Watts and a Tope Suicida before they returned to TNT, which was surprising. Uh, The main event was very exciting, and despite some risky moves and the outside interference, it reminded me of why I stick with AEW. I felt it was one of Chris Jericho's better nights behind the desk, but not taking bumps. Given his injury, that can be forgiven. It was hard not to get emotional during the video package at the end. Overall, very enjoyable and exciting. Thanks and everybody, go VIP. A lot of VIP endorsements tonight. I appreciate it, everybody. Um, the uh, video at the end, Jake. Um, I was prepping for the show and and didn't see every second of it. Um, I, I got the gist of it and, and listened to it, and I thought uh, what I saw was really well done, and it, it took me back. I mean, seeing Cody standing in the ring, you know, as, as maudlin as it can be sometimes. Um, the, the the standing in, in in that ring in an empty facility and and seeing kind of the progression of how aw dynamite handled this it you know i i it's premature i mean i'm seeing headlines on twitter about how you know masks might be recommended again in a lot of places in the country because of the delta variant and you know we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves um in terms of this being a completely something in the rearview mirror but Um, You know, and and what a setback it would be if they have to start canceling events in August and September because, um, you know, things get out of hand in certain certain uh, pockets of the country, and and they might where there's low vaccination rates, unfortunately. Um, But all that said, so there haven't been a lot. My point is there haven't been a lot of like retrospective videos on the pandemic where we've had a chance to kind of reflect because again, the plane hasn't landed. We're not. We haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, as much as it feels like it in a lot of ways in, in my life, and I think most people, so um, I thought it was a nice thing that they did, and, and I think it was classy. And th- I, I was wondering how, how long that main event was going to go. I didn't know they were going to run a pretty long video at the end, but it was—I uh, thought a nice touch and, and a nice tribute to their hometown fans, who you know have supported them week after week after week uh, in a way that most cities uh, you know might not have during this time.
8: Yeah, I, I thought it was a you know a meaningful video package. It, it clearly means a lot to the company uh, uh, that the you know the support they had from from fans to keep the company afloat during this period. You know, t- their television ratings have slipped, but I think everybody's probably did uh, you know in some way, shape, or form during the pandemic at various times. But I you know I, I think it's. Uh, it's nice to see them do a little bit of fan service and, uh, and and recognize you know their own growth during that period. And there was a lot of memorable matches and and uh, you know episodes of dynamite throughout the pandemic. I, I thought it was really well done. I mean, it's uh, it's nice to see Tony Khan take a different perspective on licensing music from from his competition i I think they they've done a nice job of uh of setting some of their video packages and even some of their wrestler entrances to uh to license music and it makes a big impact on on how people perceive the you know the 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 event you know people have emotional ties to music as much as they do any other art form so I, i i liked it and i think the music choice was good too
1: I'm Rich Van, host of the Deep Dive with Rich Van, a weekly part of the P.W. Torch daily cast lineup of shows. Search P.W. Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or any Lad? We got you. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand, and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
4: Uh, and finally, Zach in Texas said the Dark Order Kenny Omega segment was gold—just absolute gold. The Dark Order speaking on behalf of Hangman was perfect. The segment after with Evil Uno telling him he's just afraid of failure, but they've got his back, is great. The Dark Order eventually neutralizing the Elite will be great. On the other end of things, Nyla Rose being Brit's first challenger is just a head-scratcher. It's not Hocus Pocus and a demon doll bad, but I think someone like Red Velvet would have been better. I also expected a swerve replacement for Vicky, but nope, I guess Brit's a tweener now, which is fine, but what an odd way to get there. Um... So anyway, there's a, a little an endorsement of of, of the dark order um, way that that played out with Hangman Page and uh, and Kenny Omega. Um, Jake, what what have you thought? Because we've talked about it almost every time you've co-hosted of uh, Kenny Omega and the journey he's on. Um, you know, we talk about Miro taking himself more seriously and sort of reinventing himself almost since the the video game nonsense. And there are wrestlers who are rising to the occasion. I think the Young Bucks are at just up. They're just. Awesome right now. I mean as a as a heel act. I mean, we can critique, you know, or, or suggest curating their in ring style and, and and I get that. And I know it bothers a lot of people and 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 I'm among those people who who would enjoy who enjoy their matches more if I wasn't distracted by um the liberties they take with with the match structure that, you know, wrestlers historically have adhered to for good reason and, and they're not. Um all that said, um Kenny's been somebody else who needed to move move from where he was to something that felt like he was taking this job more seriously is he in, in just finding his character Um he wasn't with Don Callis he still holds a microphone weird <laughs> like covering his face I mean if he was in WWE that, that, that wouldn't happen past the first week I mean they would uh, make sure he's not holding the mic in that weird way that covers his facial expressions Um he's still wearing sunglasses a lot more of the time than I think he ought to Um and his suits uh, I'm not a complete uh, expert on suits, but sometimes it seems like they're, you know, store-bought and not custom, custom fits, where it looks like he's someone trying to look rich and famous. And, and it doesn't always, always, it's not always convincing to me. Um, So I'm never quite sure how seriously he's taking this and how good he is at taking it seriously if he is. But all that said, I think he's come a long ways. Does he have to go further? Is he in a good enough spot now? Where are you on, on what we saw tonight with his presentation without I don't want to say the crutch of Don Callis, but the chemistry of playing off of Don Callis, which he's gotten pretty used to for the last half
8: year. Yeah, I, I think Kenny is, is better off than he, he once was. I mean, you know, I, you don't have to rewind back very far to, you know, sad Kenny walking on a rainy street in Japan as his ring entrance video, you know? Like, it, there, there was a, a long period of of confusion uh, with, with his character. And I think he's found an identity with Don and as this sort of belt collector that he's, that he's taken on. Uh, I, get, I guess my critique of Kenny as he stands now is that I don't know if this version of Kenny is elevating AEW as a whole. You know, I going around to other promotions and winning championships is neat. But is he in high profile feuds that have elevated people's perception of AEW or brought AEW outside of its fan base that already exists and and you know kind of pierce the veil so to speak into new people coming in and watching the show and i i don't necessarily think that's that's the case with him he just yeah. doesn't seem to be that kind of champion and when when he came into the company and he had that aura about him coming out of new japan as being this uh you know the best bout machine best wrestler in the a world, a transformative you know. star in the waiting for the american scene Yeah, somebody who hadn't spent an inordinate amount of time in the United States and could perhaps be the next big thing. Uh, I I don't think he's sort of reached that level yet. And so is there room for Kenny to grow and improve? Yes. Has he improved uh, from where he was? Yes. Uh, I I think both of those things are true. Yeah, very good. Uh, Jake, how can people follow you
4: on social media?
8: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Barnett Jake with two T's, uh, and you can also find me over at ProWrestling.net. Weekly dynamite coverage, uh, several members-only podcasts. Check it out. PWMembership.net. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at
4: the Wade Keller and follow our brand at PWTorch. Um, I just realized uh, two quick bullet points because uh, we didn't get your opinion on this. What do you think of the angle? Uh, with Darby Allen and Sting, and the hype for the casket uh, coffin match, and what did you think of the uh, Taz promo and Hook actually speaking? I don't think he had spoken yet. Just any uh, any any opinions on those before we finish up here?
8: I'm a little confused about why they had to reschedule the coffin match. If that was always the point, or if there was you know they just felt like they had too much going on on the show in Miami, and so they wanted to shift it to the the fighter fest theme show uh that part of it was a little odd but i thought the promo that ethan page cut was fairly effective um you know i i still get some kind of american psycho vibes off of him sometimes where it's like he's this really clean cut guy who is really violent for reasons that we don't quite understand um but i i think he he does have you know something about him, where it's like, okay, you know, there, there's a future here for for Ethan Page, and obviously Darby Allen is, is probably the the best example of an up and comer in in AEW, uh, you know, who feels like he's he's on the cusp of breaking through, and so I think that program is working. Uh, but as far as Taz is concerned and Team Taz, I I don't know if I'm all that into the idea of you know, I, I mean they they've kind of teased. The tension between Cage and Starks on and off for several months. I mean, I, I like the idea of it coming to a conclusion, but I, I, I can't say that I'm all that into the Team Taz drama. It doesn't really, you know, strike a chord for me. I, I think there are some very talented people in it. I think yeah, obviously, Hook is somebody that's going through training school, and they've identified as sort of a a, a top prospect. I think Will Hobbs has matured uh, to a a solid degree throughout his run with Team Taz, and I think he has a, a strong future in AEW. He's he possesses a lot of qualities that are unique and, and make him stand out among the the current roster. And of course, you know, Cage and Starks are, are blue chippers as well. So I'm kind of excited to see them break apart and, and go in their own directions because I I don't know if there's a high ceiling for Team Taz, so to speak.
4: Did you get a kick out of us hearing for maybe the first time on Dynamite from Luchasaurus and getting going from a monster voice to a high-pitched chatty voice when Christian shared that he's got uh, uh, um, dinosaur... Uh, in his uh, in his twenty uh, three uh, and Me chart, apparently,
8: yeah, it's it, I, I was amused by it. I, I guess you know, Luchasaurus is very much uh, one of those like, hey, this is kind of a cute, independent character. But I was never sure how it would work in in mainstream wrestling. And I think they've avoided the pitfall of over exposing him. And so when he does kind of, you know, one off, uh, you know. Comedy segments, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. It's a good fit yeah. for what he's doing now.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I was fine with it too. And I think that's the beginning and end of that kind of humor. And it should be uh, in very small doses infrequently, but I'm not you know, such a uh, stick in the mud that you can't have a, a little moment of levity like that as long as it's at the right place in the card. Um, and it was kind of cute. So anyway, we'll add on that note. Uh, thanks, Jake. Thanks to all of our callers and our emailers. And uh, we'll be by... Tomorrow on the Blue Logo Show, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast with Todd Martin. Uh, and uh, so if you have questions uh, for us ever on anything that we talk about or anything we don't talk about, that email address is always open. And sometimes we do mailbag segments on our uh, podcasts. And, of course, we take emails on the post shows. So, the, again, the email address is Podcast at pwtorch.com. If you ever find yourself yelling at us and frustrated with something we uh, a point we missed or something that we didn't understand or left out, um, send it along. Uh, we, we, we welcome, um, at least I do, uh, welcome <laughs> such uh, such feedback. And it, I find it helpful and adds to the show. And if you have questions on, on broader topics we don't cover in the post show, certainly we'll get to those on the podcast. Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. So uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the flagship, and then we'll be back here on the post show on Friday night after SmackDown. Thanks, everybody. We're now on Patreon. That's right. You can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts and post shows and the PW Torch daily casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP After Shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller shows and daily casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed, and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP-exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all-text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter and a 20-years-ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash VIP. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for nine ninety nine a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. I launched the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter as a teenager in high school in the late 80s, and I've been covering professional wrestling ever since. It's been my full-time job since the day I graduated college. And I've followed every technology along the way and tried to be on the cutting edge, and one of them has been podcasting. We were doing podcasts before the word podcast was a word. They were just called audio shows for our subscribers. And a cool feature that we introduced last year are flashback Saturday night editions of the Wade Keller Hotline, where every Saturday night we post Wade Keller Hotlines, all in one file, a week's worth of shows from 10 and 15 years ago. That means uh, you can listen to what I was saying about the news about Raw, about SmackDown, about TNA, about WrestleMania hype, WrestleMania Fallout, controversies, firings, matches that almost happened, and why they didn't happen every weekend on Saturday night from 10 and 15 years ago. For instance, the April 6, 2006 Wade Keller Hotline had a ton of insider news on the Hulk Hogan-Steve Austin dynamic at the WWE Hall of Fame. And the prospects of a Hogan versus Austin match. And how close it came to happening at WrestleMania 22. What stood in its way. And what the prospects were of it happening in the future. Why Steve Austin said what he said about Hulk Hogan at the Hall of Fame during his Bret Hart intro and what the backstage interaction was between the two of them. That's just one example of some of the fascinating reporting that was going on, likely before you were listening to some of my free podcasts here. So a uh, Go VIP, it's one of many, many cool benefits that come with a VIP membership. Get details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we also have the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That is a blue logo show. This show, you'll notice, has a red logo. There's a very similar logo, but it's blue. And that's for our Thursday flagship, plus our mailbag and interview shows. We have first-run interviews and, most weekends, a classic interview from our archives. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and choose the blue logo and subscribe. If you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all. Add free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly in two minutes. You can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out. pwtorchvipinfo.com.
12: Wrestling fans, Are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejo's host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event... We provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at pwtorchdailycast.com, where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. Torch Faithful, this is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stoup, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch Recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, Or listen on demand and see the entire P.W. Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers!
4: All right, forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. Audible is a perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com Wade. That's audible.com Wade.
7: If you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of a good story. And if you're looking for a good story, look no further than stories of your and yours. I'm Sean Ennis. And on every episode of stories of your and yours, I narrate a classic or listener submitted short story, adding music and sound effects to bring the story new flavor. I featured authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and many more. So don't wait any longer. Download Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, today. And if you want to hear clips and get more information, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at SYY Podcast. That's Stories of Your and Yours, available wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th 2000 issue. On Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of Racist Gimmicks and Poverty Pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale. And ECW having an uncertain future, and also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled "How I Became World Champion." If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay per view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN and a potential shift of ECW. Also, a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party, and WCW slambery coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My Endnotes editorial examining Vince Russell's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000. And more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a VIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way The Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com govip Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.